today on the talent cast you gotta ask yourself are they gonna do feats of strength maybe maybe i mean we're definitely going to to air some grievances here on a fabulous festivus day we're gonna celebrate festivus join us we'll be right back hello and welcome to the talent cast i'm your host james ellis we're here to talk about employer branding and talent acquisition, talent recruitment marketing at some fairly deep levels. We're not here to pitch books. We're not here to pitch software. This is a 100% pitch-free zone. We're here to go back to first principles and really think through what it's going to take for you to be better at employer brand and talent acquisition, for you to win the war for talent. Yes, that's a bad metaphor. Yes, people shouldn't say it. Yes, it's also my Twitter handle, so I can't help you. This will not be your standard podcast. This will be a little goofy, a little weird, a little bit of me. Hopefully, you're going to learn something from it. If you like it, please tell people. Uh, if you like it a lot, review us on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can hear, learn more about us or talk to us directly on Twitter, again, at the War for Talent, or just go to our website, thetalentcast.com. So that having been said, here's the show. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis, and the housekeeping starts with, hey, uh, so I've got three events coming up in the spring, uh, in the winter and spring next year, just so you know, if you actually want to come see me in person for some reason, and you know, like a bunch of other incredibly smart people, I would probably be the least interesting part of it. However, um, Social Recruiting Strategies Conference in, I want to say that's uh, last day of January, first day of February. Then I've got ERE in April, obviously. That's a huge one. I'm super pumped about that too. And uh, just found out I'm going to be at RecruitCon in Nashville at the end of May or middle May. I can't remember. Something like that. It's in May. RecruitCon. Anyway, uh, come find me or come find a whole bunch of other people um, with your education dollars for your budget, you know, whenever you can figure out how to get the, get out of the boss to go travel and, uh, and go learn some great stuff. Uh, like I said, I will be there, but mostly it's a lot of other amazing smart people, uh, will be there and you definitely want to catch that. So let us catch up for those of you who don't know, and I'm presuming it's mostly those of you not in America and that's amazing. Um, there's a show called Seinfeld, huge, huge, huge hit. I'm pretty sure it was pretty big, um, beyond our shores, so to speak. Uh, one of the biggest impacts of that show is the idea of Festivus. That is a holiday in the in the, the in December that is much less commercial than a Christmas or a Hanukkah or what have you. Um, it was started by George Costanza's father, and they all celebrated around an aluminum pole, <laughs> and it celebrated the airing of grievances and feats of strength. It was an amazing episode. You should absolutely check it out. I believe the episode's called The Strike. Um, it turns out, if you did not know this and, you know, some ed extra education, it is based on a real story. It is based on one of the writers. His father came up with a thing called the Festivus, and it was really, really weird. Um, and just Google it. It's, it's pretty, fu pretty funny. Anyway, um, we're going to celebrate Festivus with an airing of grievances. These are things that I've touched on or mentioned or didn't get a chance to because they were too small to capture in, in a, you know, or dedicate a whole episode to. But today, we're going to run through a litany of things that are just, ugh, really? Come on. So let me get my sip of coffee here, make sure I'm warmed up and ready to go. Mm. Good coffee. All right. Here's where we're going to start. My first grievance is the concept of best practices and benchmarks because all of us have bosses who go, yeah, that's a great idea, but did Google do it? Or, you know what? Give me some innovation, but 
find other people who've done it first. Or, hey, tell me what Amazon does. Or, hey, tell me what Facebook does. If you're going to make a career site, how many of you have started your career site by starting with, wonder what Facebook and Apple and Google do? That makes me crazy. That makes me absolutely crazy. Why? Because Google and Apple and Facebook have a completely different set of rules and constraints than you do. Unless you are Google and Apple and Facebook, you do not have Google, Apple, and Facebook kind of money to spend. You do not have those kind of resources. You do not have that kind of brand awareness. You know, it, the kind of company that can have an ad where it barely says the name, that's an amazing company with an amazingly strong brand. That's not necessarily your company. Just because someone else does it, that doesn't mean you play follow the leader. I hate follow the leader. I hate best practices so much. Unless you can justify them. Unless you can explain them. Stop. Don't do that. It makes no sense to me. And, you know, and to say, well, how many visits does Google get every day? Or how many, or how do they design it? Or how do they lay it out? Or what are they trying to achieve? Good for them. Let Google be Google. Let you be you. You're not, I, I, spoiler here, early on in the episode, you are not going to out Google Google. Can't be done. Can't be done. Trust me, you know who keeps trying? Other companies like Apple and, and, and Amazon. They keep trying to out Google Google. But don't worry, Google's trying to out Amazon Amazon. They're fighting in this game that we cannot participate in because it's happening at a level of resources that simply are beyond our comprehension at the moment. You need to fight your fight. Can you hire people away from Google and Facebook and Amazon? Yes. You just have to offer them something different. You have to not be Google. You can't beat Google at Google's game. That's Google's game. Can't be done. Same point. I, I, I have a question. I have a grievance. This concept that you can't tell me that Amazon and Apple and Google and all the GAFAs and all these big, big name companies famous for throwing resources and throwing money and huge salaries that, you know, let's start with developers. That's usually the hot topic, right? You can't tell me that these companies are the most sought after companies to work for and they have the highest salaries at the same time. I don't understand that. The law of supply and demand says that's not possible. If everybody wants to work there, you don't have to pay them. Why are you also throwing huge salaries at them? You have to wonder what the heck is going on. And I have some sneaking suspicions that there's a lot of other stuff under the surface. For example, if you work at Google as a developer, uh, is it the best place to actually work once you're actually there, once you're one of hundreds and thousands of developers all coding similar stuff and thinking about similar things? Do you feel like you're something special? Frankly, the ability to say, I now work at Google or Google's recruiting me makes me feel special. It makes me feel like I'm an elite developer. Having gone there now, if I'm joining that company and I'm no longer a big fish in a little pond, but I'm a little fish in a massive pond, do I still feel special? I wonder, and I would love someone to confirm or deny this, if they feel the need to pay these massive salaries because having attracted so many amazing people, no one feels special anymore. The law of supply and demand makes no sense there, so there's other information there. That is my next grievance. This is my third grievance, and I'm not putting these in any particular order. I did, however, take notes. If you've seen my little video on LinkedIn, you'll see that there are a lot of notes. Ad tech. Oh my goodness, ad tech. Do you know that there are millions of fake Facebook accounts? And, and I mean millions. I mean millions. I mean tens and potentially even hundreds of millions of fake Facebook accounts. What do you think they're doing? They're clicking on ads. So when you buy ads from Facebook or any other ad tech, what are you really getting? 
what exactly is happening. The ad tech game is designed and optimized around how much money can they separate from your wallet. Plenty of companies want to bundle ads and just hand them to you and say, oh, look at all the ad impressions you're going to get. Hey. Are they people you would want to learn about you? Are they people you would want to see your ads? Oh, we're not going to discuss that? Interesting. So you're just going to sell me generic impressions, potentially to bots and spammers and fake accounts? What am I spending my money on? The ad tech game is a nightmare right now, and it's not just on the recruiting side. That's on the consumer side. Um, I highly recommend you take a look at Bob Hoffman's uh, newsletter. He is uh, ranting like a madman, God bless him, talking about how crazy the ad tech game has gotten and how much fraud there is and how much people are wasting money or being asked to waste money or worse yet, wasting money, and then when they complain about it, being asked to just take it. That's just, it, the ad tech game is a mess. Uh, yes, there are times and places when you should be participating in that, but that doesn't mean it's a game where you just throw money and hope for the best. It's not a game where you let your agency or your vendor or your networks tell you what happened. You have to double check and triple check everything. Tag everything, Google Analytics everything, figure out what's really going down. That's the only way to make your ad tech make any sense whatsoever. Next, and I'm seeing this less, but I still feel the need to call it out. You can't automate a relationship. You can't. You simply can't. You can't ask to have all your employees join your little Facebook group for the sole purpose of letting you push your messages out to their friends. You can't turn to bots and bots, and, and as much as I think bots are interesting and they can be applied interestingly, I think everybody looks at bots as saying, how do I automate that relationship? How do I just say, how do I make that bot say hello and make a little fake joke and ask for information so I can collect the information so I can fire all my sorcerers or fire all my coordinators or fire all my entry-level recruiters and save some money? Wrong. The human touch is incredibly powerful and bots will not replicate that because here, here's the deal. When you get an email that says, dear name, and that's how it starts, even if it's actually your name and you know, you know an automated, you don't feel the love, you don't feel the heartbeat, you don't feel the blood in behind the, the, the letters that are in the, in the, on your screen, you know that's a machine. You know some marketer schmuck, possibly me, who wrote this email and tagged it for dynamic content so your name would show up and pretend that you know it made sense or it's triggered at a certain point because you looked at a thing, because you bought a thing, because it's been two weeks since the last email, you now get a thing. Everybody knows what's happening. Except we pretend that this is how you generate a relationship or build a relationship. That is lies. You cannot automate relationships. That said, there are plenty of tools out there, brand new tools, uh, and I'm going to name one because I, I've seen it. It's super, super cool. Uh, not that I'm taking any money from anybody, but um, you know, when it comes to how do you generate and connect with your your employees' audiences, Teamable is doing some really interesting things. I highly recommend you to kind of poke your head in on that one. Um, it's not cheap exactly, and that's understandable because it is cutting-edge stuff, and it's super, super cool, and one day maybe the price will go down. But it's, of, I think most interestingly, it's a different approach to how do you leverage your employees' audiences instead of just spamming the heck out of their friends. No automated relationships. You can't be done. If you've got a newsletter system, that's fine. If you've got a system where you're pretending you're sending mail to people custom and you're not, that's not good. Everybody sees through that. You are not fooling anybody. Next, 
maybe this is just me. This grievance may just be about me, but there's a special hell for people who don't define their terms. I am so tired of Twitter chats and people ha making these claims and people saying things without defining terms. When they won't define what a brand is, when they won't define what an engagement is, when they won't define what a good, what a prospect is, when they won't tell me about who they're targeting. If they just talk about, hey, did you know that 42% of people do this? So? Segment your audience. Who are you talking about? You're talking about developers? You're talking about entry-level people. You're talking about old people? You're talking about young people. Who are we talking about? Men versus women. Americans versus Canadians. What are we talking about? You don't define your terms. Therefore, everything you say is gobbledygook. So don't say it. So define your terms. Define it. I know it's Twitter, but they double the number of, of, uh, of characters on you. You've got a little room. You can explain what you're talking about. And that's just me. I get it. I understand that. That's what I do. I complain about things. Next. This is a good one. Recruiters, well, not all recruiters, recruiters who seem to have forgotten what it's like to be a candidate. You know, recruiters have had a job for a couple years and it seems like a lifetime or three ago since they actually were, uh, you know, regular schmucks trying to find a job and they, you know, seem to delight in, in ignoring people's emails or they complain about their candidates. Recruiters, look, you know, Look, I get that you have a tough job and you, everybody's asking a lot of you, and that's 100% true, but you are going to burn a lot of bridges if you don't remember what it's like to be a candidate. And frankly, I highly recommend that every recruiter go through the hiring process just to see what it's like, just to remind themselves what it's like. Maybe you can even apply at your own company with a fake name and a fake resume and try to remember what it's like and see what's going on when your emails are ignored or when your phone calls are dismissed. Or when your phone, or when you know recruiters are late to your conversation, and what should be a thirty-minute conversation is actually fifteen, and you don't get more than four and a half seconds to kind of make your case, and you feel like that person is just reading from a script, and you're not feeling the love. Yeah, that's what it's like for a lot of people. In fact, that's what it's like for a lot of candidates. So recruiters, you have an amazing power to connect with people. Don't forget how. Next, chasing tactics or cool hunting. Who here has talked about Snapchat lately in the last year, right? You know, there, there's McDonald's. Uh, there's an article about how McDonald's is going to try and hire with Snapchat. Why? Well, let's be fair. It's the right audience for the right company for the right types of jobs. Does that mean you should be doing it? No. Should you be doing video? Maybe. But that's just because everybody thinks video is super sexy right now doesn't mean that you have to be doing video. There's a time and a place for video. There's a time and a place for Twitter. There's a time and a place for Facebook and Snapchat and email and text and audio and podcasts, right? There's a time and a place for it. And just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's time for you to do it. Just because that's what you know the magazines are talking about these days doesn't mean that's what you have to do. Don't go chasing what's cool. Chase what works. Understand. Remember, marketing is a very simple idea. The person who, or the company that knows their audience best wins. So if you know that your audience is on Snapchat, by all means, be on Snapchat. You should, why are you waiting for me? Go do the thing. But if you know that your audience is on text, you know your audience is on Super Bowl commercials, you know your audience is in a bus stop, go there. You know your audience, go where your audience is. Don't let me or other pontificators of cool stuff tell you where to go. We, look, no, don't do it. What you, you Use what works for you. There are plenty of cases in, wait, in which good old SMS text is exactly the right way to go. You, you know, what seems like a 20-year-old technology, because it is, is still an amazing, amazingly effective way to get to certain audiences. Is that the audience you're looking for? Then use that tool. Don't go chasing cool. Don't do it. It's a, it's a sucker's bet. Next, 
we're going to jump into some LinkedIn things. And I think uh, they get a couple just because, well, they're kind of the 800-pound gorilla of what we do, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think I'm making too blanket a claim there. I don't think I'm being controversial in that case. But first off, dear LinkedIn police, stop it. And by LinkedIn police, I mean those people who feel that they know what LinkedIn is for. And they should be deigning to tell me how to use LinkedIn. How do I know that? Because they are the ones who post, hey, this isn't Facebook. Well, yeah, it's not. It's LinkedIn. It's a free tool where I can network. How I network is up to me. Shut the hell up. You let me do what I want to do. If you don't like it, go away. It's very simple. I love the fact that these are people who are paying. Oh, wait, they're not paying. They're using a free service in the exact same level that I'm using a free service, but they get to make the rules as to how I get to use that free service. Now, do I like bikini pictures in my, fa in my LinkedIn feed? No. Do I like personal stories in my LinkedIn feed about what people's cats are doing? No. Do I wish Facebook would stay Facebook and LinkedIn would stay LinkedIn? Absolutely. But am I going to be the cops on that and tell people how to use it? No. And neither should you. And neither should these people who think that they're in charge. They're not. Is your name, uh, are you my Microsoft employee? No? Shut up. Just shut up. Use LinkedIn or don't use LinkedIn. Do not tell the rest of us how to do it. You want to write a book on telling us how to do it? Great. I know plenty of books that are about LinkedIn that are fantastic. Go write another one. You go spend your time and effort making some value instead of making the world a slightly worse place by being the police of it. Ugh. Next. And this is slightly, maybe ironic is the right word based on my last grievance about LinkedIn, LinkedIn police. And I'm not going to say you can't do it. I'm just going to simply say, this is what it looks like. I have a grievance with the people who post passive aggressive LinkedIn posts. What I mean by passive aggressive, how many of you have seen, and it's all of you I know if you're ever on LinkedIn, the post that says, the CEO says, or the COO says to the CEO, what if we train them and they all leave? And the CEO says, what if we don't and they stay? That is the most passive, it, maybe years ago that was insightful, but today having seen that post a million different ways and a million different variations and a million different creatives, I, it's so passive aggressive. You know what that says to me? The person who's posting it says to me, gosh, I wish somebody would train me. Gosh, I wish my company cared about me. You know what? Step up and make it happen. Don't go post into LinkedIn and complain and whine. Go make it happen. The same is true of those people who, who do that other post and say, people who do more, or people who are treated well tend to do more for their company, and the different variations therein, right? The people who are making these claims about how their bosses should be, hey, tell your boss. Don't tell me. I can't help you. This just sounds like passive-aggressive whining because it is. Oh, my God. And there's so many different variations of these things. These passive-aggressive whiny bull. I hate it. Please understand. You can do it. I'm not going to be the cop on you. But if you do it, all I'm going to do is see you as a whiny, passive-aggressive pain in the butt. And I'm far likely to just say, you know what? I'm going to block this person. This is unnecessary. It really, it's not doing anybody any good. You know, you want to make these things better? Do not whine and complain. Make something better. You can do it a million different ways. You can start by spreading some love on LinkedIn. Start by spreading a success story. You want your boss to know that you need to be trained? Start publishing training stats. Start talking about a class you took. Start talking about things you've learned and how you're applying it. Show other people how much value that is. That's not passive aggressive. That's helpful. That might actually get what you, what you realistically want. Trust me, when your boss sees that post, they think you're whiny too. You're not going to get what you want.
As I tell my three-year-old, whining doesn't get you what you want. Words. Words do. Whiny, not so much. Okay, I have a request for LinkedIn. Dear LinkedIn, I know that in general we've had a complicated relationship and as when I'm a client, I'm not always the easiest person to work for. I know, gasp, right? How is that possible? I'm a delight. Um, I have a request. Can you please make a function that allows me to block someone? Wait, I know you already have that to ignore someone except when other people share it. So for example, there's a guy and when I describe this guy, I think you all know who this guy is. And I will not use his name because I will not give him free press. There's a guy who is thrilled. First of all, it's almost as if he's invented that stupid single sentence format where it says, here's a controversial line. And you have to click more to see the stupid thing where he, li he writes in what seems like bullet points. Um, he's always crushing it. He's always... But he's always so angry. He writes in single line angry crushing it posts. He's single line angry crushing it post guy. You know who I'm talking about. Now, I don't follow this guy. I have no interest in this guy. In fact, I complained about him a couple of posts back, uh, a couple of article, a couple of podcasts back. He was, you know, can you, you know, can you be too much employer brand? Can you do too much, uh, you know, whatever that was? I can't remember what that podcast was called. A couple back. Um, you know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to name him. I'm not going to name his company because he's crushing it. He's always crushing it. Um, I'm not following him. Yet some of you, and some of you who listen, and some of you who follow me or I follow you, um, you share his stuff. I don't ever want to see his stuff ever again. I don't ever want to see his angry single line crushing it posts. How do I block this guy? Congratulations. He's famous because he's saying something controversial. Congratulations. He's like the, the love child of Gary Vee. And Gary Vee's an acquired taste. He's got some good things to say. He's a bit much for my taste. I can't listen to him for more than five minutes, but he's doing some damn good. But this guy is like the all the worst stuff of Gary Vee, crushing it, so angry. I want him to go away. He's allowed to say what he wants to say. I just have no interest in ever seeing him ever again. Please, LinkedIn, find a way to allow me to block him, even when my friends and followers share it. I don't want to see it ever, please. And frankly, I'll eat my, I'll eat my own dog food. I would imagine that when some of you share my stuff, you have people who are like, can you please stop sharing that guy? Please stop sharing that guy's podcast. I don't care. And I get that. Now, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. So I'm fine if I'm being a pain in the ass to some people. I get it. Trust me. I get it. But if I can block you, you can block me completely fair. Completely fair. LinkedIn, get on that. Use some Microsoft money. Make that happen. All right. One more feature request from LinkedIn. And this kind of goes back to that passive aggressive one. I think these things are tied. And I think one might fix the other. Can there be a way that content expires, meaning once you've shown me that post a hundred times, can I stop seeing it no matter how many of my friends are sharing it and liking it and commenting on it? Got it. I've seen the thing. I'm good. I'm really good. Don't show it to me for the hundredth and first time. And that may sound like a crazy thing, but it's happening fairly frequently now where I see the same post over and 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 over. It's like, I get it. I've seen it. I've gotten my value. You're telling me my friends are commenting on it? Great. Put it over there on the side. Get it out of my feed. If, you've, if, if LinkedIn, your claim is that you've got legitimate good content to show me, stop showing me the same stuff a hundred plus times. Show me the good stuff. 
Maybe that was the good stuff, but guess what? I bet I extracted whatever value I needed to get out of it in the first 99 views. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. Please. Just help find a way to help that make it so that the 101st time simply doesn't happen. All right, here is my last grievance. And this is a biggie. This may take a few minutes, but hopefully you're having as much fun as I am. And I'm actually going to take a cup of coffee in this, and this is where I'm going to stick that uh, break, you know, where the drum where the drum kicks in. One, two, three. Hey, uh, just interrupting myself for just a second, just to remind you that because this podcast has made me extraordinarily wealthy, there's really nothing you can do. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to make any commercials or anything. You do not have to donate anything at all to keep this podcast going. Again, wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you all. I appreciate it. All you can do to help me make this podcast even better somehow is to review us on iTunes and Google Play and other places that you review and share podcast information. That's all you got to do. Leave some stars, leave a review, whatever you got to do. We really appreciate it. It's what keeps us going. Thanks to the people who've done it already, but keep them coming. We really do, like I said, we really do appreciate that. That's all I had to say. Again, I want to stop interrupting myself to bring you the amazing voices of me. Bye. Yeah. Okay, last one. And then, as a bonus, there's a lot of non-grievances. There's a lot of thank yous. I, I, I want to end this thing on a positive note. I know I'm spending 20 plus minutes complaining about things. I didn't want to be that guy, so I wanted to, to wrap it up with some, some positives. But here, one last big grievance. Look, I'm as big a fan of big ideas as anybody. I want to think in big big ideas. I want to change the world. I want to make the world a better place. I know that when I spend 25 minutes complaining, you got to go wonder, really? You want to make the world a better place? He's just complaining. I know. I get it. But I do want these big ideas. I want diversity. I want inclusion. I want better technology. I want to skip all the stuff that sucks. I want to get out of a world where ATSs are driving the entire process. I want to make this leap from where we are to this magical world a year or two from now. But, and it's a big but, thank you for asking, they're size 34s. There's a big but, and that is, how do you get from here to there? Any big idea that doesn't understand how you get from here to there is not a big idea. It's a wish. It's science fiction, right? If you look at 2001, right, there's great science fiction right there. And I don't care if it's the book or the movie. You're talking about travel to Jupiter. You're talking about huge ideas. But how do you get from here to there. Yeah, it looks fantastic that we can send video of one another to each other, but how do you get from here to there? Yeah, it looks amazing that you can put people to sleep and send them. How do you test that? How do you learn that? How do you grow that? What is the initial invention that builds and builds and builds and builds? How do you get from here to there? And what's interesting is that 2001 came out in what, 1969, correct? The movie, Kubrick. Um, he, he, did he think that we would be able to get from here to there in 30 years? That's insane. That's insane. We only got FaceTime eight years ago. <laughs> and frankly, that only works on Wi-Fi most of the time. How do you get from here to there? Here's an example of that, not on the recruitment side. That is Netflix. 
let's pretend that you are Mr. Netflix or Mrs. Netflix, the owner whose name eludes me the second, but is a super famous guy, and I'm sure I can remember it in two seconds, and I'm sure you're screaming at your your uh, iPhone reminding me what his name is. Um, but maybe his initial idea for Netflix was that he would figure out a way to stream movies and TV shows to my home and my phone, wherever I am, right? That's the big idea. If he had started by saying, here's the deal, we're going to make you pay for a service in which you get some movies stream to you wherever you are. And he started that when he started Netflix. That was his initial launch. He would have made exactly no money, would have collapsed in like, a, like an old souffle in about a heartbeat. Why? Well, to get from where, remember what year that was. You're talking about, um, you're talking about 2007, right? It's roughly then. Um, did you have broadband? Some people had broadband. Mostly you had broadband at work. By the way, that's why Cyber Monday is a thing because way back when, before we all had broadband in our homes, we had to wait to get to work to have a good uh, internet connection to do adequate shopping. That doesn't seem like a thing anymore, does it? <laughs> so if you're Netflix and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to sell someone a service by which we stream movies to them. So first off, they have to have broadband at their home, of which that's a very, 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 very small amount. Even if you've got some DSL, that's a thin, thin broadband connection. Second, I have to get people to sign off on a movie collection, which, by the way, in 2005 and 2007, server prices being what they were, it was expensive to have all those movies. And it was expensive to serve them up. And it was expensive to stream them out. And the bill to do that would have been astronomical, meaning the first people who would have paid for Netflix would have been paying for 100 bucks a month to stream a couple dozen movies at their house and not at their car and not at their work. Not possible. So what happens is in order to get from here to there, he started by taking DVDs and mailing them to people. And then once he kind of got people used to this idea of spending month on a monthly subscription for access to information, that they mailed it back and forth, then he said, hey, on top of this thing, you're getting real value for eight bucks a month. I'm letting you keep up to two DVDs at any given time. And if you spend 10 or 11 bucks, you get three. I don't even remember what the numbers were. But if you get, you know, now that you have this service and it's a almost profitable or vaguely profitable service, now on top of it, I'm going to let you have access to streaming movies as a freebie on top of. Now, if you don't have uh, a Wi-Fi at home or, or, or a broadband at home, it's okay. You're still paying for the thing you're paying for, i.e., mailed movies. And if you do have broadband at home, the fact that we only have a couple, a handful of movies to access, it's a freebie, right? It's a proof of concept. And then once more people started to get broadband and once more people started to see, wow, there's some good shows here and wow, this is an easy service. Oh, wow, I'm going to go buy a Roku box or I'm going to buy an Apple or you know a streaming service or streaming box for my TV. And the infrastructure started to develop then you could start to say, okay, now let's spend more money on developing streaming shows rather than DVD shows. And then over time, let's pretty much stop worrying about the DVD side of the business and focus purely on streaming. And then you can focus purely on content creation that gets streamed across the world. You have to have these steps. You can't make this massive leap from a world in which very few of us have broadband, but you want to stream movies to a world where streaming movies. How do you get there? He would have gone bankrupt 20 times over had he skipped any of these steps. The same is true for recruiting. You want to get to a world in which we have, a, a, let's say, a diverse workplace, and by the way, all for it. How do you get there? How do you get from where we are now 
to where we are then. What are the steps you have to do to get from here to there? So for example, one of the steps everybody thinks about is quotas. Now I'm not a qu big quota fan at all, but I can see it's a means by which we get from here to there. People who have big ideas without talking about how we get from here to there and the messy, ugly realities we have to deal with in the process, i.e. for in this case, quotas, which again, I'm not for, but I can see how it can help us get to where we want to be. That's not an idea, that's science fiction. It's just, hey, I have an idea. What if everything was wonderful? That, what value is that? I hate that. You've got to understand change management. You've got to understand the steps. You've got to understand the realities. Yes, it would be great if we, none of us had to deal with ATSs. However, we have to deal with ATSs. Almost all of us do anyway. Oh, wouldn't it be great if they were all CRMs? Well, yeah, sometimes, but how do we get there? How do we tell our HR teams to get let go of the ATS and the HRIS systems they have baked in and say, look, we're moving to this other model, completely different model, no big deal, let's just flip a switch. It doesn't work that way. What are the interim steps? What are the things that have to be true as you move from step to step? How do you build that need? How do you build the infrastructure? It's like if you said, hey, it would be great if we all went to hydrogen-driven cars, and by the way, it would be, but gas stations. It's easy to say we can make, you know, the cars work because we've built an infrastructure. We're in a world where there's gas stations and every place you go in this country and pretty much in the, in the civilized world, there's, you're not too far away from a gas station, a place where you can put gasoline or petrol in your car and keep the car going. How do you switch from that model to a hydrogen model? You can't just convert every gas station to a hydrogen station. You can't. That would cost trillions of dollars. Where does that money come from? How does that happen? It has to evolve organically. It has to, you know, get, you have to get there. How do you get there? What are the steps between where we are to how, where we want to be? And people forget it. People skip that part over, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of having big ideas, conversations about big ideas when no one wants to talk about how you get there. That makes me crazy. That is my last grievance. So with that, let's end on a positive note. I have a lot of thank yous. Now, this is not a complete list of thank yous, but these are people I absolutely wanted to highlight for one reason or another for being super, 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 super helpful, beneficial, positive, useful, wonderful, sweet, kind, caring, valuable, in whatever capacity you want to measure that to me and to the industry as a whole, and not all of them get kind of mentioned and I wanted to mention them. First off is Audra Knight who keeps for some reason saying nice things about me. What is wrong with you? Really Audra? Stop it. What is wrong? Please. I'm just me. I am mostly am boring. Um, but thank you so much as always. Thank you to Ian Hamilton who has been, who is just an absolute weirdo, wacko, smart person in the most wonderful sense, right? He's just willing to take chances and willing to try things. And his video series is fantastic. And he was the first guest on my pod, on my webinar series. Thank you, Ian, for being willing to try craziness. Ben Gledhill, who consistently pushes me to try and think differently. I appreciate him and the work he's doing out there. I love reading his stuff. Hung Lee, whose newsletter, if you're not reading it, you absolutely should, mostly because he is completely committed to looking outside the industry for smart things that can lead to change in the industry. His commitment and focus on Bitcoin, which I think is completely crazy. However, you got to consider what would Bitcoin mean to the HR space? What would Bitcoin mean to recruiting? And his willingness to look outside the bounds, fantastic. Benji, 
uh, Benji uh, Goodrich out. Uh, he's been an incredible. <laughs> he was one of my first big fans. He really there were some definitely some times when he said some nice things that I really needed something nice said to me. Thank you, Benji. Charu uh, Melatra, who has also been on my webinar series, thank you so much. Um, you, again, uh, big fan. I appreciate you being a fan of me. It's been wonderful having met you finally and, uh, you know, via virtually. Uh, I appreciate all the love. Uh, Elena Valentine, a recent friend of mine. Um, she's doing some great stuff over at Skill Scout with video. Uh, Audra and, and Elena, one day I'll put you in the same room and you will, and I just back away slowly as you all, you know, uh, wax uh, poetic about the powers of video. Kristen Davidson over at Employera, who um, I have had the pleasure of being friends with for a year or two now. Um, thank you so much for being on my webinar, and thanks for so much for actually being one of the very first guests on this podcast before I realized that I'm not good with guests. Um, uh, Joel and Chad over at Chad and Cheese Podcast, um, yours is a goofy, goofy podcast, and I mean that with all the love in the world. Thank you so much for running that. Uh, Tallulah David over to Career Arc for putting me on a webinar and letting me kind of be crazy for two hours and putting an audience in front of me. Jorgen Sundberg, who has one of the best, if not the only pure employer brand podcast out there. Um, I have no idea what Hazon Suazon means or whatever it is you say at the beginning of it, but thank you for finding really interesting, smart people and asking them tough questions. Todd Raphael over at ERE, thanks so much for publishing my stuff and, uh, and inviting me to ERE. Thank you so much. Uh, Tony, Kate, and uh, Shelly over at uh, Aggregage for helping with the webinar series and putting it all together uh, and all the wonderful stuff. My friend Nancy Goldstein, who is, an, is a pure brander and not an employer brander, who kicks my ass on a regular basis and makes me slightly better. So you can thank her that I suck slightly less. Uh, Matt Charney, um, well, you know, Matt Charney's Matt Charney, and one day I'm going to be beat Matt Charney at something. Um, it's not today. Uh, and finally, I highly, I want to thank uh, whoever that is that wrote A Beautiful Constraint, a book I've mentioned at least three times in this podcast. Um, it keeps reminding me to stop complaining and figure out how do you do good stuff with what you have where you are. It's uh, I highly recommend it. You got to go read it. That's, like I said, I've probably forgotten a bunch of people. That's just kind of what I had in my notes. It's not quite end of year. I'm not quitting, but you know it's Festivus, and I want to complain and, and air some grievances, but also thank all the wonderful people who have helped me and helped this podcast, or just been super wonderful and kind to me in some capacity. Uh, I've, like I said, I've forgotten a million people. I'm sure. Thank you so much. Thank you all, uh, and I'll see you next week when I come up with some other way to I don't know talk. If you have ideas, I would love to hear them. If you have problems you'd like me to take on and see if we can solve, I'd love to take on that challenge. Send them to me. You know where I am. I'm on the Twitter. Um, you know, whatever. Otherwise, uh, review me on iTunes and Google Play and all that good stuff, and I will see you next week. Thank you so much. Hasta la bye-bye. Bye.